0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith.
1: Welcome. I am your host, Leah Brenda Smith, and you're listening to Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Voice America Variety. And we are simultaneously being broadcast with Project Freedom Radio Network. So hello to the folks there as well. If you're looking for me on the net, you can find me at leahbrenda Brendasmith.com, my personal website, or on Facebook at Come Back to Your Senses Radio. And today we're speaking about sleep. Help, I can't sleep. I know there's a few listeners, I'm sure, that have that happen to them occasionally. And so we're going to get down to it today and see if we can't give some great solutions and even talk about maybe what some of the difficulties are with that. And we'll start off with some information from the National Sleep Foundation and just a definition of insomnia It's a Latin word for no sleep. And insomnia really is the inability to fall asleep or remain asleep. Insomnia is also used to describe the condition of waking up, not feeling restored or refreshed. And according to Dr. Mark Mahowald, professor of neurology at the University of Minnesota Medical School, He's also the director of the Minnesota Regional Sleep Disorder Center at Hennepin County Medical Center. And he says that insomnia refers to the inability to get the amount of sleep that you as an individual need in order to wake up feeling rested. So let's be clear then. Insomnia is not just that idea that we may have had about how it's laying in bed awake. That insomnia is really about uh, the inability to be refreshed from the sleep that you do get. And according to the National Center for Sleep Disorders Research, research at the National Institute of Health, they say that about 30 to 40% of adults say that they have some symptoms of insomnia within any given year. And about 10 to 15% of adults say that they have chronic insomnia. People who have trouble sleeping every night, without exception for months or for years, are really very, very rare. More often, you know, people experience chronic intermittent insomnia. So that really means that they have difficulty sleeping for a few nights, and then that would be followed by a few nights of adequate sleep before the problem would return then again. So it's a cyclical kind of chronic intermittent type of insomnia. And they say that insomnia can be a disorder in its own right, but that often it's a symptom of some other disease or condition. So about half of the people who have experienced insomnia blame the problem on stress and worry. And in the case of stress-induced insomnia, the degree to which sleep is disrupted really depends on the severity and the duration of of the stressful situation. You know, sometimes this may be a disturbing occurrence in your life. Obviously, when there is the loss, the loss of a loved one, uh, the loss of a job, a change in your marital status or your relationship discord of some type. And then obviously when there's some type of tragic occurrence in your life. So these really intense, stressful life cycles that we go through or life experiences. And then similarly, you know, the anticipation of things like weddings or vacations, you know, holidays, these things can also disturb your sleep and make it difficult to either fall to sleep or to remain asleep insomnia can occur with jet lag with shift work and other major you know major schedule changes you know some people even find it difficult to sleep when they're away from home and may experience insomnia when sleeping in a hotel or while visiting with family or friends but typical daily sleep requirements, they really fluctuate from when we're a newborn to when we're 65 and older. You know, newborns need 13 to 17 hours of sleep. You know, you always hear, how's the baby? Well, the baby sleeps a lot. And then toddlers need 9 to 13 hours. And then in through the adolescent and early uh, teenage years, it's more like 10 to 11 hours. And then a big chunk of time from the age of 16 to 65, the requirement decreases again, and it seems that six six to nine hours is sufficient. And then over 65, maybe a little bit more of a dip, maybe six to eight hours of sleep is needed. Yet there's still lots of people that will tell you that if they don't get their eight hours that they can't function. So it's important to be sensitive to what you know your body needs and uh, make it your business to get the amount of sleep that you know is right for you. So in addition really to older people not requiring as much sleep, they don't tend to sleep as deeply. And the research says that only about 25% of the sleep of someone over 65 includes rapid eye movement, often referred to as REM sleep, which is the state of dreaming, or the very deep sleep, which is stage four sleep. They don't sleep as deeply maybe only 50% of the time as compared to when you're a young child. So this suggests really that older people dream less and don't dream as deeply. And as people get older, some get by with amazing little sleep. As an example of Margaret Thatcher, she claimed to average four or fewer hours a night throughout her tenure as Prime Minister of Britain. However, many people complain that A lack of sleep affects their daytime performance. And at any given time, about 10% of the population considers themselves to have chronic insomnia. And roughly half the population at some point will have some type of, some type of insomnia or some type of disturbance that really is affecting their sleep. So if you have difficulty sleeping. It really is essential to determine whether an underlying disease or condition is causing the problem. Sometimes insomnia is caused by pain, or digestive disorders, or even a sleep disorder. And insomnia sometimes is also a signal of depression or anxiety. Oftentimes, insomnia intensifies the underlying condition and it leaves the person fatigued and less able to cope or to think clearly. So if your insomnia is related to a medical condition or pain, then you can ask your doctor about nighttime pain control. Really, given all of the choices in pharmaceuticals and also homeopathic and other natural approaches, Nobody needs to lose sleep because of acute or chronic pain or illness. If your challenge with sleep is confined to the difficulty falling asleep, then it could be that the time that you're choosing to go to sleep may not really be synchronized with your biological clock. The biological processes that initiate and maintain sleep in humans are active throughout the night. And going against this sleep tendency is the altering action of the biological clock that's active throughout the day. So when the biological clock is active at your scheduled bedtime, then you'll likely have sleep onset insomnia. So you may have to adjust that to match up with your biological clock. You know, the prevalence of insomnia is higher amongst older people and women. And women suffer loss of sleep in conjunction with menstruation, with pregnancy, and with menopause. And rates of insomnia increase as a function of age But most often, sleep disturbances can be attributed to some other type of medical condition, most often. It's good to be aware that there are some medications that can lead to insomnia, and these can be medications that you take for colds and allergies, for high blood pressure, heart disease, thyroid disease, birth control, asthma, pain medications, and some medications for depression. There's some other common sleep disorders such as restless leg syndrome, a disorder in which there's an urge or a need to move the legs to stop unpleasant sensations, and sleep apnea, which is characterized by abnormal pauses in breathing, or instances of abnormally low breathing during sleep that can also lead to insomnia. Clearly, sleep is is, as essential as diet and exercise. It's as essential as breathing. Inadequate sleep can result in fatigue and depression, People can have problems concentrating. It can lead to illness and lead to injury. Here's a list of the symptoms that are included in insomnia. Difficulty falling asleep. Waking up frequently during the night. Difficulty returning to sleep. Waking up too early in the morning, unrefreshing sleep, daytime sleepiness, difficulty concentrating, and irritability. These are all symptoms of insomnia. And when insomnia is left untreated, it's linked to increased illness or morbidity. There's lots of research indicating that people with insomnia have poor overall health. There's more work absenteeism and a higher incident of depression. So sleep deprivation is not insomnia. They're not the same things. And it's not so much, it's not really clear that insomniacs lose sleep, particularly when it's primary. And many do not exhibit daytime distress or symptoms. Although people with acute insomnia may experience daytime sleepiness, most chronic insomnia sufferers experience an unpleasant sense of excessive arousal during the daytime. So if you are experiencing difficulty sleeping, consider whether an event or a particular stress could be the cause. And if that's the case, then the problem may resolve in time on its own as you move through your stressful situations and they're behind you. But if the problem persists for weeks or more, or if you experience distress and discomfort as a result of the insomnia and it's really affecting your daily life, then really I urge you to talk to your doctor about your symptoms. You may want to jot some notes down so you can give your doctor a good record of your sleep and your fatigue levels throughout the day and any other symptoms that you might be having. You know, there are a number of approaches to treating insomnia and a healthcare professional will ask you about your sleep experience, your sleep schedule, your daily routine. They may want to take a thorough medical history and physical examination as well. And because of the close connection between behavior and insomnia, behavioral therapy is often part of any treatment. This is because people with insomnia may begin to associate certain sleep-related stimuli with being awake. For example, Bedtime routines or the bedroom itself may become linked with anxiety for a person who's experiencing insomnia because they dread the thought of another, yet another, sleepless night. And a combination of several behavioral treatments is typical. It's typically the most effective approach. And some of the examples of this would be a stimulus control kind of therapy So this is creating a sleep environment that promotes sleep. Cognitive therapy would be learning to develop positive thoughts and beliefs about sleep. And then sleep restriction would be following a program that limits the time in bed in order to sleep and stay asleep throughout the night. Also a really great approach and a favorite of mine is relaxation techniques. This could be yoga, meditation, could be guided imagery meditation. This could be really helpful in preparing the body to sleep. And exercises that are done earlier in the day can also be helpful in reducing stress and promoting deep sleep. In some situations with some people, behavioral therapies alone may not be enough, and some people end up treating their insomnia with medication, and that would be particularly true once a combination of behavioral approaches has been tried. Sleep medications for treating insomnia are called hypnotics, and they should be taken only when the cause of your symptoms have been evaluated. Sleep problems are causing difficulties with your daily activities. Appropriate sleep-promoting behaviors have been addressed. Because all hypnotics induce sleep, and some will help to maintain sleep. They work by acting on areas in the brain that are believed to be involved in sleep promotion. They tend to be the drugs of choice because they have the highest benefit and the lowest risk as sleep-promoting drugs. It's important to talk to your doctor about side effects. You know, your doctor will consider your age and other medical conditions and the side effects before selecting a medication that's best for you. But if you're prescribed a medication to help you sleep, it's important to continue with other Approaches as well, and clearly, for some people, doing the route, going the route of taking a pharmaceutical or medication is not going to be something that they're interested in doing. So, in those kinds of situations, um, you'll want to further investigate different possibilities for other types of natural remedies, or also the adding regular meditation. And relaxation techniques to your daily life. And clearly women who are pregnant or nursing should be not, should not, not be taking hypnotics. So talk to your doctor about how to cope with insomnia during this time if you're finding that being a challenging time for you for sleep. You know, some people might be referred to, uh, specialized sleep disorder clinic that offers diagnostic tests for insomnia. And these kinds of tests, you sleep overnight at the clinic, and you're, you're wired to electrodes that measure the various stages of sleep, from stage 1, which is light sleep, to stage 4, which is deeper sleep, and they also measure the REM sleep, which is the dream state. And then these tests can also detect whether or not you do have sleep apnea. You know, a treatment plan for insomnia can include treating the underlying medical problem, learning about and practicing good sleep hygiene, learning about and making behavioral changes, and when needed, sleep medications. So if insomnia is caused by an underlying medical condition, like arthritis or depression, it's really important to treat the condition first. In a lot of cases, it just alleviates the insomnia. But regardless of what's causing your sleep problems, it's important to establish and maintain healthy sleep habits. Sleep hygiene includes basic things that you can do to increase your chances of having a good night's sleep. And changing certain behaviors can help you improve your sleep. Now, if you're having difficulty sleeping, the experts suggest that sleep and sex should be the only pastimes pursued in the bedroom. And they suggest no balancing of the checkbook or talking on the phone or watching TV, that everything in the room should be associated with rest and relaxation. You know, the best sleep temperature for most people is between 68 and 72 degrees. You can do things, other things to enhance the environment in the bedroom, like relaxation music that you put on in there. Some people may like a, a incense in the bedroom, or I've heard of folks even using essential oils and even putting them, you know, just even putting a few drops of something like lavender, on your pillow that can, can help people relax and fall off to sleep. Setting your body clock can be extremely helpful. You could So try to go to sleep and wake up at about the same time every day, including the weekends. This routine puts your brain and your body on a healthy sleep-wake cycle. And then in time, you'll be able to fall asleep quickly and sleep more soundly through the night. So for some folks, that's really helpful if they're having trouble sleeping. And getting out in the bright light for 5 to 30 minutes as soon as you rise is also a great approach because light is the most powerful regulator of your biological clock. And then we all know about coffee in the morning. And to people using that to wake themselves up. But also, if you drink coffee after, in the afternoon, that can be keeping you up at night. So you may want to avoid, avoid the caffeine in food and drinks. Because it can interfere with the deeper stages of sleep. So even in small amounts found in things like chocolate or decaffeinated coffee or sodas could be having an impact on your rest. It's also important to read labels because some pain relievers, some types of weight loss pills also contain caffeine. Now, napping can make matters worse if you're having trouble falling asleep. So if you must nap, keep it brief, maybe 20 minutes or less, and do it earlier in the day. The research suggests that any shut eye within eight hours of your bedtime can interfere with a good night's sleep. So when you experience an afternoon slump, you could try to go for a short walk or drink a glass of water or call a friend. Regular exercise has been shown to improve sleep quality. So as long as you don't work out too close to bedtime, you should be okay. A post-workout burst of energy can keep you awake, so make that workout time earlier. Aim to finish any vigorous activity at least three or four hours before you go to bed. However, the more gentle mind-body exercises are fine just before sleep, like yoga or tai chi, even qigong, and similar routines. Those are perfect And they can be really good at inducing sleep. And clearly, we want to avoid heavy foods and big meals late in the day. They tax the digestive system and make it hard to get high-quality sleep. Not just regular, good, old, ordinary sleep. We want to go for high-quality sleep. That's the most regenerative, recuperative type of sleep. And some people do well with a light evening snack of sleep-inducing foods. Complex carbs and dairy foods can work, such as cereal and milk or crackers and cheese. But again, you want to finish your snack at least, at least an hour before you go to bed. I know for some people, alcohol has a really tranquilizing effect, and they may like to drink, have a drink then just before bed for that reason. But it's good to be aware that after the initial effects wear off, that alcohol actually causes more frequent awakings in the night and less restful sleep. So some folks do uh, warm tea or even warm milk or chamomile teas, some, some type of herbal tea is often a better beverage of choice. They even do make sleepy time tea. That's what it's called, sleepy time tea. Then nicotine. It's good to know it is a stimulant just like caffeine. And smoking can keep you from falling asleep and worsen your insomnia. So while you're planning your I'm-going-to-quit-smoking strategy, You may sleep a little better if you smoke fewer cigarettes in the hours, the four hours just before you go to bed. So you could try that. Just cut down your cigarette intake later, later in the evening, closer to bedtime. Also, if you stop drinking any fluids two hours before bed, it can also help prevent those disturbing middle-of-the-night bathroom trips. Some people find it difficult to be- get back to sleep quickly, especially if you're going into the, you know, walking on the cold bathroom floor, and good to keep a night light on so that you're not actually disturbing yourself further by putting a, a bright light on. It is suggested that starting 2 or 3 hours before bedtime that you start to dim the lights around your house and put aside any work or complicated decisions or arguments. You know, it takes time to turn off the emotional and intellectual noise of the day, and lowering the lights signals your brain to produce melatonin, the hormone that brings on sleep. You may even want to have a a lighter wattage bulb when you're reading in the last hours before you go to sleep. And then we've all heard those dripping faucets, or a child's cough, a barking dog, or the horns beeping outside, or a clock that seems to tick really loudly that can be disturbing your sleep time. You know, parents may be hypersensitive to noises in the night long after their children outgrow that baby stage, so you can try the soothing white noise, because that can cover up those extra sounds. Some folks use a fan. You may find that's true with the air conditioner in the warmer weather, or even there are those white noise generators that are available. Some folks might even try earplugs. And then the cats and the dogs moving in the night. For some people, the dog and cat getting up and moving around can really disturb your sleep. So you may want to think that. Rethink whether or not you want to have your pets in your bed If you're having trouble, if you're having trouble and are experiencing insomnia and having trouble getting asleep, staying asleep, and having yourself refreshed in the morning. It's good to have that winding down period in the evening about an hour before bed. You know, whether you read something calm, you meditate, listen to music, or some folks always take a warm bath before bed. If you need to, you know, make a list of the worries that maybe you're still working out for yourself and a plan with how you're going to deal with them so that you can bring closure to the day. You know, those little things sometimes that go on in your mind when you're trying to fall asleep. Even if you only take 10 minutes to do your pre-sleep ritual, it it can help you. And then mild low back pain. It may not wake you up but it can disturb the deep, restful stages of sleep. And you might take a solution with that by placing a pillow between your legs for a better alignment of your hips and your back, and it reduces stress for the lower back. You know, back sleepers can tuck a pillow under their knees to help ease pain at night. And if you wake up tired with a stiff neck, Neck, it could be because of your pillow. So pillows that are too puffy or pillows that are too flat can cause problems. So your pillow should be just the right size to support your neck in a neutral position. And then people that sleep on their side, your nose should align with the center of your body. Stomach sleeping twists the neck and it's, well, best avoided. So keep your neck neutral before bed too. You don't want to strain, crane your neck to watch TV or to do anything that is going to put stress on your neck. Then there's the sneezing and the sniffing and the itching of allergies that can cause fragmented sleep. Your mattress may be to blame. You know, over time, it could be filled with mold or dust mite droppings or other things that trigger your allergies. And you can avoid these Irritants by sealing your mattress, your box spring, and your pillow. You could use airtight plastic dustproof covers. They really work well. Now, many folks are intrinsically involved with various types of electronic equipment, either for work or for pleasure, well into the evening and up until bedtime. It's not just kids that are, who are wired on those online video games through the TV, computer, phone or some other type of handheld electronic device. The habit for many is to turn these devices off only moments before trying to sleep. But your brain needs time to gear down before it can rest. So heed that advice that we used to hear when we were growing up. You know, you'd hear, "Don't wind the kids up before bedtime." All electronic devices, regardless of the content you are engaging in, fire up the brain. And if video games are your thing, then you're also pumping your adrenaline and other stimulants in your body. So whatever you do before bed, that's the fuel that takes you into your sleep time. And turning off these devices long before bed and focusing on things that are relaxing to your body and mind will ensure a better transition into sleep. And then you're much more likely to sleep deeply, to stay asleep, and then to wake up refreshed. Now, insomnia feeds on the minor details of modern life. And you know all those small blue uh, lights from cell phones, PDAs, digital clocks that are there beside your bed? The short waves of that blue light may interfere with sleep, so turn off the TVs, computers, and other blue light products at least an hour before sleep. If you have to, just cover those displays if you can't shut them off. And if you're one of those that glance at the clock in the wee hours of the night, chances are your sleep is suffering. You worry about how few hours are left before your busy, busy day begins. So clock watchers, try turning the clock away from view. And here's some good news for sleep deprived workers. You know, a growing number of companies are making it a top priority to help employees get more sleep. Ben Harris rounded up a few examples of these innovative initiatives. Google offers access to nap pods. Imagine that. Where workers can lay down and take a nap. The pods are designed to block out light and sound so you can sleep even while others work around you. And a company called Lightbook is installing a record number of these elite lighting systems. They're special lights that are designed to help regulate melatonin, which is the body's sleep hormone. And they were first sold to the Philadelphia Flyers and the Ottawa Senators to help athletes cope with jet lag. But now they're getting calls from corporations who want the lights for their office workstations and desks. You know, companies like Procter & Gamble and Aurora Healthcare, which is the largest hospital system in Wisconsin, they've hired sleep experts to teach their workers about better sleep habits. Shift workers like factory employees, healthcare workers, and people in the entertainment and hospitality industries tend to have the worst sleep patterns. Now, the reason behind the big push to help workers get more sleep is because every night, one in three people don't get enough sleep, and chronic exhaustion is very costly to employers in lost productivity. With lack of sleep, employees are less focused at work, and consequently, they're getting less work done during the day. One study found that every half hour of sleep missed the night before For every half hour, employees waste an extra eight minutes at work the next day just simply because they can't focus. Managers know all too well that an office full of sleepy workers can lead to shorter tempers amongst the staff, higher levels of frustration, and more on-the-job accidents. So this is the rationale behind increasing number of companies being willing to invest money to help their employees get more sleep even if it means encouraging them to take power naps while they're at work. So again, if odd hours, odd working hours disturb your sleep rhythm, the best way to get back on track is to expose yourself to bright sunlight in the morning. The evidence shows that it resets the body clock more effectively than taking hormonal medication melatonin. Natural light causes the brain to organically produce the melatonin. And some researchers feel that melatonin supplementation hasn't been adequately researched and may have adverse effects that we're not aware of really at this time. So what about the healing powers of sleep? Gina Shaw tells us that sleep deprivation takes a toll on your mind and your body and your overall health in ways that may surprise you. And the research shows that chronic lack of sleep is linked to colds and flu, to diabetes, to heart disease, mental health issues, and even obesity. So sleep is a dormant period where the cells are doing a lot of repairing. And your hormones and your immune system act differently when you're asleep. So if your immune system's out of balance, then you can't fight off illness, and it impedes the natural ability of your body to repair your cells. So here's five key health problems that research shows are worsened by a lack of sleep and may improved, may be improved by getting at least seven hours of sleep at night. When you're sleep-deprived, you often feel worn out, and that's the clue that your body is vulnerable to infection. So not getting enough sleep makes you more vulnerable to picking up illnesses and not being able to fight them off. And what's happening really is that your immune system is being degraded. So the less sleep you get, the weaker your immune system is, and then that leaves you less able to fight off the colds and the flu and other infections. And then there's a link between uh, sleep and heart disease. You know, former President Bill Clinton acknowledged that he thinks that lack of sleep had a lot to do with his hospitalization to unblock a clogged artery. He said, I didn't sleep much for a month, and that probably accelerated what was really going on with him. When you don't get enough sleep, you have an inflammatory response in your cardiovascular system and in the blood vessels and arteries. So we see the same thing in hypertension. Sleep deprivation continues. If it continues long term, chronic inflammation has been linked to things like heart attack, stroke, and diabetes. You know, the key underlying problem in type 2 diabetes is insulin resistance, so where the body doesn't make proper use of its sugar-processing hormones. So when you're sleep-deprived, your body almost immediately develops conditions that resemble the insulin resistance of diabetes. And then sleep being linked to brain function and mental health. If you're chronically sleep-deprived, then you may think you're still driving safely and still performing well at your job. But you're probably not accurate. Studies have found that people who aren't getting enough sleep drive just as unsafely as someone who's drunk. We also know that people who are sleep-deprived have very poor judgment when evaluating their own performance, They think they're doing well on memory or eye-hand coordination tests, but they're not. The memory is also slightly degraded when you're sleep-deprived, and it gets worse the more deprivation that you have. And then there's a link, sleep link to obesity. There are several studies that have been done over the past decade that point to a link between sleep deprivation and obesity, in both adults and in children. And in one study, people who slept five hours per night were 73% more likely to become obese than those that were getting seven to nine nightly hours of sleep. In fact, one study found that lack of sleep was a bigger contributor to child obesity than any other factor they not really clear exactly why this must be, but some research has pointed to hormonal imbalances as the culprit. For example, lack of sleep has been linked to lower levels of, hor- of the hormone leptin, which reduces hunger. And the good news in all this is that you can repair the damage from inadequate sleep fairly quickly. The system really comes back on track quickly. And many of these conditions will repair themselves unless of course you get so chronically, chronically sleep deprived that you cause permanent damage to your health. So let's take, keep that in mind and get the, get the sleep that we need. Definitely get the sleep that we need. So I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach now. We've talked about a lot of the medical approaches and ideas and identifying what insomnia is, some of the causes of that, the stress-related causes, the other underlying types of illnesses that can cause this problem with your sleep, and some of the other health issues that are prevalent for people that aren't getting enough sleep. Let's take a different approach now and look at things from more of a metaphysical point of view. You know, many people with insomnia who have had the condition off and on for years, they come to the same point where they say, I've tried everything and nothing seems to work. And that's a, a good, a good fit for a metaphysical approach as well. Meta means beyond or above and beyond the physical. And physics is the science, so the study of energy, motion, matter. So metaphysics as it relates to insomnia is about energy and motion. The metaphysical approach goes beyond what we know and into all the ways, the ideas, and the solution for how and why something works. So if you live with insomnia... You probably experience one or all of the following when you attempt to sleep. Either you can't go to sleep, you go to sleep and wake up repeatedly, eventually unable to go back to sleep. And when you do sleep, maybe even a full seven or eight hours, you don't feel rested when you, when you wake up. So somehow your mind and your body are unable to shut down, to regenerate, and to recharge, leaving you tired, Irritated and unable to concentrate. And over time then, if you don't treat the insomnia, you'll begin to lose your memory and possibly develop medical, you know, mental health issues. So the metaphysical approach accepts that any physical health condition is the result of a thought, belief, or emotion that has manifested in your life as insomnia. And Louise Hay, in her book, You Can Heal Your Life, she explains that the cause of insomnia is fear, not trusting the process of life. She also says that guilt is also an underlying factor that causes insomnia. Now, just stay with it here for a minute. And think for a minute. Think about this. Does this statement, fear, guilt, not trusting the process, does this statement fit any experience that you're having in your life? And if it does, then you're already 75% cured. You know, fear is debilitating. It It's a, a terrifying state of mind that makes false claims seem extraordinarily real. And if these ideas are not addressed, then the fear can keep you stuck for a lifetime, and it can really deplete the life out of your goals and out of your dreams. Guilt is like an iceberg in the ocean. You know, you may only see the tip of it above the water, but it's there. A whole lot more under the surface that can create massive amounts of damage. Guilt typically leads to overindulgence, overeating, overshopping, doing something. Doing something that you know is not healthy for you and doing it in excess. It's like trying to feed a hunger that can never be filled. Now imagine all of this being worked out in your mind and in your body as you lay down for the night. A lot of the traditional interventions will treat the symptoms of insomnia short-term. But truly, to eliminate and cure the condition, it's really good to use a holistic approach. You must identify the core reason Why is this in your life in the first place? What, what are you getting from this insomnia? What's it giving to you? What is it about that you have the condition? Ask yourself these questions and always go with the first answer that pops into your mind because it will be the most, the most honest answer. Insomnia represents negative thoughts, worry, a lack of trust, Fear, fear of death, or fear of accountability in some way. Fear of measuring up, perhaps. Fear of success, perhaps. Fear of failure, perhaps. But take take some time for a little reflection to determine what's true for you. You know, trusting the process. Trusting the process. What's going on in your life? Do what you can do to change what needs to be changed. And trust that the world is conspiring in your favor and that everything is going to turn out the way that it should. Guilt can can significantly deplete your energy and then be back the next day to give you a hard time all over again about something else. You know, guilt thrives on secrets on lies, on manipulation and control. So once you become mindful of the inner thoughts and reactions that are associated with these energies, then you can stop giving your energy and power to those limiting beliefs and reclaim your sleep. Really, this is about cleansing and purifying your mind. So much of the time when people say they're having trouble sleep sleeping, you ask them what they're doing, they're laying awake in bed at night, worrying and wondering about all the things that are bothering them or that they feel troubled by. Situations and areas in their life where they're not sure how to move forward, not sure what to do. So really to eliminate insomnia, you need to clear the emotional baggage. And it's really good to remember and recognize that all of this emotional Unrest is really coming up to be healed and coming up to help you to free yourself. You know, the insomnia has a purpose in your life or it wouldn't be there. It's stemming from a lack of ease in your body or your mind that needs to be expressed. So it's good. You have to find ways to express it. So if you're working with shame, for an example, you can write about it. Or any of the other emotions will use shame if it's easier to do it in the form of a letter to yourself or perhaps to individuals that are involved. And write the letter with the freedom of knowing that you're writing for your healing. Not necessarily to send the letter to anybody, but just to help get these emotions out of yourself. Or you could tell a trusted friend or share your story with a stranger. The purpose of the activity is to get it out. Get it out of your body so that you can get back to sleep or so that you can get back to enjoying deep restorative sleep. And you can give yourself the gift of a, of a mind treatment or of a affirmation. Louise Hay has a special affirmation that she uses and suggests, recommends for the treatment of insomnia. Insomnia. So what you could do is say this to yourself in the evenings and right before you drift off to sleep. And the affirmation is, I lovingly release the day and slip into peaceful sleep, knowing that tomorrow will take care of itself. I lovingly release the day and sleep into peaceful sleep, knowing tomorrow will take care of itself. I lovingly release the day and slip into peaceful sleep, knowing that tomorrow will take care of itself. I thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio, and I am your ever-grateful host, Leia Brenda Smith, and I hope you found some tips that will help you get that much-needed sleep that we all need, deep, deep, deep restorative sleep. And until next time, I encourage you to relax and enjoy your life.
0: We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leia Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week.